Good morning, everybody. This is Judith A. Hope you're listening to Mad Love. Let's get into it. So, you know, Christmas just never really took off for me. The fact that it is now December 28th, we're well past Christmas, and it still didn't feel like it really happened, is problematic. Um, you know, and I, I guess, I don't know, I at this age and stage in my life, I truly believe Christmas is for children. It's way more fun when you're a kid, that's for sure. And it's probably a lot more fun when you have kids and you're like, you know, getting them ready for Christmas and you see they're excited and all that. But, you know, if you are past the age of little kids and, you know, and I'm like, I'm taking care of my mom who doesn't know what day it is any day. So I don't know, just I I saw my family very briefly I don't know. It's just not what it used to be for me up until like maybe even 15 years ago. Like, I'm not talking about me in pajamas opening gifts. I mean, it just used to mean more, used to feel more, you know, but I actually have to say I'm busier than I've ever been. And I have a very serious life. So maybe that's part of it. Like, it's just not designed to fall in love with Christmas. Although, you know, I have a very strong relationship with God and I'm very spiritually centered. Um, I've been commended on my prayers because I said prayers for two gatherings. Well, you know, I did have my breakfast club. So I did more this year than I've done in recent years. I had Christmas breakfast with my friends, uh, which was mostly champagne. (laughs) We didn't really have much breakfast. And, um... I did a Christmas Eve gathering with my family that's still that's in town and a couple relatives that flew in town. Uh, So, yeah, I guess it's as good as it's going to get. And it's probably just me because I am really exhausted. There's no doubt about it. And no, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't need phone calls. I don't need my check in. I'm just tired. This is tiring. Yesterday, me and my mom had an epic battle over underwear you know she just didn't want to wear any underwear so then I finally got the pins on her and literally she had to go to the bathroom five minutes was in putting the thing on and so then I had to uh negotiate getting another one on but it it looked like she just put it on herself so that was fantastic because the depends have not been going over that well with her they're awesome Thank you, Sheila, for finally suggesting that. Those have been awesome. But my mom doesn't like change. The Alzheimer's people don't like anything to be different. And so the whole time she's like, that's not mine. Those aren't cute. I'm not putting that on. I don't know. Okay, where did they come from? And so, you know, you have to really battle with her to put put the things on. And uh, some days you're successful and some days she's like, nope, I ain't doing that. No, I don't want to do that. But by the evening time, I finally got something on her because she knows she is pants optional these days and very big into underwear optional, which I get her logic because if she has accidents, then she doesn't want to have all the, those wet clothes on her. Yeah, but when you don't have on anything uh, that can prevent that, it will saturate everything you're peeing on, <laughs> which... I've never negotiated this much in my life, period. 
Every day is a negotiation, but I've really never negotiated underwear this much. I never really have. So yay me. Anyway, uh, it's, it's a journey and I am tired, but I'm changing my relationship with caregiving, which is funny. People go, what does that mean? My cousin Sterling called. He had a stroke. Man, keep in touch with your people. He had a stroke, has been in uh, some kind of facility for the past four months, uh, which he thinks was a cash grab. But uh, he, you know, you never know. He lives in Chicago, so I don't know anything about their medical care system. Um, but I'm glad to know that he was okay because he's the one that keeps in touch from the cult side. So I'm like, if something happened to you, I don't know who would tell me. So I'm glad he's okay. Um, he was one of my mom's closest friends. He's my first cousin, but you got to understand, my I'm the youngest cousin uh, on my dad's side. Like, I was the baby, <laughs> like the kid that came after everybody had started their families. So my first cousin, which he is, is like four or five years younger than my mom. So they were very, very close, and uh, he was checking on her, and then he told me he had had a stroke. Stay in touch with your people. Crazy shit's happening. I'm glad he's okay. He sounded good. Um, and, yeah, hopefully I'll get get up there to see him. So when I was saying I was changing my relationship with caregiving, he was like, what does that mean? I was like, well, it means that I cannot be the person that primarily does all the caregiving. Um, I do have some help, and I do appreciate having that help. But, like, I just cannot make this uh, be the thing that I do the most. Um, I have to concede some control and let other people step in, and we'll figure out what that looks like. Um, And the logistics of that belong to God, not me. I just know that this is not going to be my 2024. Um, I won't make it. (laughs) I won't make more years like this. You know, I'm a very youthful uh, 54 but I won't make I won't make 55 like this. I can't. It won't. I, it's killing me. Like literally, people say it all the time. Oh, it's killing me. Yeah, this literally will kill you because it becomes all consuming. And I know where it stems from. I just thought about it this morning. My mom was the kind of mom when you would come into the house with like, you know, I remember when I was in my early 20s and I got my first job and I bought myself a stereo system. And I remember I would come. I was coming in with the system, and she was like, yeah, this is when you had, like, a component and some speakers. And she was like, well, you ain't buying me nothing. And then, and then I, re- I remember, like, I used to have to sneak to get myself things because you were going to get this, this speech about, well, you didn't give me anything, and I don't have anything. And it, and it was weird. And it was always like, I, I don't. And it was never coming at us like, or me, I can't speak for anybody else. It was never coming at me like, you know, you need to pay more rent or you need to pay rent or you need to pay, pick up some bills or you need to do this. It was never coming from that place. It was always coming from you didn't do something for me. So it would be even like a hamburger, like anything. And so I always felt like there was a more mature way to have that conversation. She just didn't know how to have it. So you always felt awkward doing something nice for yourself. See where I'm going? You know, so like if you came in with some bath and body works, you need to have a gift for her too, or you were going to get an earful. Um, If you, uh, you know, you had to always keep her um, 
and I guess you didn't have to do it. I didn't have to do it, but it was something I felt like I don't want any smoke and I don't want to fucking hear about this shit later. So, you know, if I did something for myself and I couldn't hide it from her, if, you know, like I couldn't walk past her with it, then I would do something for her too. And that's not really the spirit you want to be doing things for people with, but that's how it worked with her. And so there's a part of this caregiving that is still reactionary to that energy. Well, you, because, excuse me, she came in, I I went in her room the other night to put her in bed. She was like, nobody does anything for me. And I literally cracked up. I mean, that that shit might have, that sounded like something from my 20s. When I would be walking in the house when I was living with her and I'd walk in with something for myself. But it's not true now. I had just, you know, taken some very seriously urine-soaked sheets off of her bed and cleaned the bed, sanitized everything while she was in the bathroom. And she comes in and she's like, nobody does anything for me. I don't have any help. And I just cracked up because nothing could be further from the truth. It's all help for you. This whole situation is all designed for you. And, uh, you know, it was just ridiculous. But anyway, that's part of what this whole psychology is. I'm telling you, do your shadow work before you start caregiving because it is a sincere, and I cannot put it any other way, mindfuck. It fucks your head up. If this is the person that has, and my mom is responsible for like all of my triggers. Um, It is without a doubt been the most challenging relationship I have ever had, ever. People think it's romantic relationships, but look at your family dynamics. Some of you all have been deeply shaped by your fathers or lack of fathers. Some of you have been deeply shaped by overbearing mothers. Some of you have been deeply shaped by mothers who were neglectful and, you know, emotionally distant, uh, pick up the white phone. You know what I mean? Like, so my mom was emotionally neglectful. She was truly into how we looked. We were clean. We were safe. We went to good schools. All the external stuff was cool, but she was just not interested in really having conversations with us. I don't think I've ever, I don't even remember one time my mom just sitting down and being like, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Like, I had no idea people had those kind of relationships with their mom until I got to college. And I made best friends. I made three friends who were best friends with their moms. And I just, I was like, this is wild. Wild stuff. You tell them your dreams and goals and shit. What's that like? So anyway, I did not intend to talk about that for that long. But yeah, my mom, she has been the number one uh, challenge in my life. And I had to... It is not a coincidence that I am the most successful I am in my life while she's the most diminished. So chew on that. Think about that. She just was a dream crusher. She was not a a self-esteem builder. And I have to think it has to do something with her background. Because if you were a girl, and I am, uh, she just did not have it for you. And my brother seems to think that she wasn't that nice to him. And I'm like, dude, but you're a boy. Do you know how far I'd be in the world if I was a boy with this kind of ambition, with this kind of talent? Humble brag. I'm talented. But, you know, she I would be Barack Obama. So maybe not Barack Obama. But you know what I mean? I would be super successful because she would have been 
do whatever you have to do. Go out in the world. Be your best. You're so smart. You can do it. You know, but not as a girl. As a girl, I'm exactly where she wanted me to be, taking care of her. That is what her family believed girls were for. Work. (laughs) And that's the truth. Stream of consciousness. All right. Let's see. Oh, I'm going to break this up because I want to send this middle portion to my cousin Jackson. Okay. We're going to do sections again. All right, so this uh, this Christmas I got to hang out a little bit more with my goddaughter slash cousin Jade and my little cousin Jackson. I keep calling him little, but they're both 21. And, um, you know, both of them on separate occasions have shared that they have had issues with other black people. Uh, Jackson did not enjoy his time in Atlanta at Morehouse. Uh, he, he was mentioning how big an issue colorism is colorism, like to the point where people bully you about it. And then Jade, I heard from her mom, how kids were like, you don't really seem black (laughs) because I guess she, well, she went to the best school system in Missouri, Clayton high school. Clayton schools are the best, uh, she, she stayed in the whole Clayton from K to 12. Um, and she's studying to be a nurse now. And I think at some point, uh, she was in the South too. Where was she? Tennessee. Where did she start? I can't remember. She started somewhere. She hated Baylor and then she wound up in Tennessee. And so now the big conversation is, um, you know, you act white, you sound white. Like, this is ridiculous. I used to get teased like that, too, growing up. Because I went to Catholic school. Catholics, you go to that Catholic school. And we would meet in the middle. The public school kids would be coming home with folders and sheets of paper. And the Catholic school kids, we our backpacks were loaded. You know, we had books. We had homework. We had assignments, long-term things to finish. You know, and... It was always like, you know, you all speak too proper. Da, 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 da. So then you learn how to drop your your G's and um, kind of like not use the most complicated words you know. So you basically you talk down and dumb. You dumb it down for people so they don't think you're too smart, which is sad. But the, I mean, we did that. I still do that. You know, occasionally I still know that if I throw out a certain word, depending on who I'm talking to, they're not going to know what I'm saying. So, you know, the key of good communication is the key to good communication is to always speak to your audience in a way that they can understand. So I get that. But, you know, what makes me sad is this whole thing about colorism and you're acting white because you had a good education. And I guess these kids just don't remember that there was such thing as a black middle class. This is all classism. You know, we're always tearing each other down, looking for reasons why we can't be successful. But, you know, we're, aren't, aren't we all in the same group? There's no monolithic style of blackness. You know, we are not all the same. There's not a collective black experience that's happening. No one ever walks up to a group of white kids and be like, y'all not white enough. 
You know what I mean? Like, this is ridiculous because it's not white. It's not. There are poor white people you wouldn't notice because you never see them on TV. But there are poor white people that cannot walk up into a country club because they don't know the etiquette or how to be in that country club. You know? And then there are people who who are the best people are the people who make something, have some money, yet they're able to matriculate throughout every room. They can be in the white room, the black room, the rich room, the poor room. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's not there's not one kind of blackness. There's not one kind of, you know, if you know the king's English and you're articulate, people are hating on you cuz they're jealous. And when they used to say that to me growing up, I'd be like, what? Why are they jealous? No one's saying they're jealous. They're just, you know, bullying the shit out of me because uh, I had hazel eyes. And I had one girl called me. She was lighter than me. She used to call me albino. That's why it, gets, it makes me so mad when black people act like other black people never harass them or bother them or we just all get along, which is so stupid. You know, we don't all get along. And I've had my fair share of black bullies. And, um, you know, they just, they're just they just hating because they're jealous. And they don't want to see you win. And so, you know, you have to figure out how you can't be precious and, and, and not precious, the movie. But, like, you can't just hold yourself uh, away from everybody who annoys you. You have to figure out how to be in a world with them. And let them hate on you. Let them. Our, our kids are great. I'm so proud of them. They're both smart and thoughtful and kind and good people. And that's what people don't like. They don't care that you all speak good English. They don't care that you all are attractive. And they don't care that you, you know, have cars and, and live your best lives. They don't care about that. They're jealous. It's plain and simple. And when that was happening to me, I didn't quite understand it either because I have never spent a day in my life worrying about what shade of black somebody was. If black is beautiful, and I believe it is, then let it be that. Period. Hang in there, kids. Fuck the haters. Yo, I'm not trying to be mean or nothing, but I couldn't get through that Barbie movie. I I mean, ugh, I hate saying this. I I am glad it was a huge hit. I'm glad people went out in droves to see it. But it also just makes you realize how thirsty people are for something new. Because if that can make a billion dollars, and it wasn't bad. It just wasn't, I don't get, I don't. I guess I because I didn't play with Barbies. I didn't like Barbie. Even as a doll, I looked at the doll and I was like, I don't get this. Um, I like the messaging and like the, but I I really couldn't finish it. I like the whole concept. Like Barbie was empowerment. Barbie was this and that. Although as a little girl in the Barbie era, um, I didn't feel like Barbie was about empowerment. But I guess she was. She had her own crib and a car and, you know, but Ken was there. Um, and I remember Ken was brown hair, not blonde hair. But, I mean, I probably watched as much as I did because Ryan Gosling, was. It, I mean, he looked like a doll. My God, those muscles. Um, 
But it just, I mean, and kudos to America Ferreira. I'm just so glad that people got that work and got some limelight, you know. But, dude, that is not, that just was not the greatest movie for me. For me. I'm glad everybody saw it. I'm glad everybody made a ton of money. Um, I just, I don't know. It would not be a huge success if I had to be the one to watch it. That's all I'm saying. It wasn't bad, but I just didn't get it. It's also sort of like uh, everybody loved Black Panther. It was pretty good, but it wasn't even the best comic book movie. But people were acting like, but again, I do think part of it is like people just want to see something different. And we're tired of seeing the same things over and over again. And I'm not sure why movie studios don't ask people what they want to see and then go make that. But they uh, they keep taking these stabs in the dark. Timothy Chalamet, why is he in everything? Why is there another Wonka? We don't need more Wonka. Who came up with this? Literally, I can tell you. I, I would... I don't even know anybody at the studio who produced that. But I'm guaranteeing you, it was like, what can we put Timothy Chalamet in? Timothy Chalamet, or whatever his name is. Um, Because he's clearly the only dude working right now. He's the only one that can be in a movie. And I don't think he's a bad actor. I've enjoyed some of his other stuff. But, you know, why do we need him and Wonka? Why do we need more Wonka? The first one was dark and hilarious. And that was fine for me. And then Johnny Tate, Johnny Depp did a take that seemed like Michael Jackson. I felt like he was channeling Michael Jackson. And and it was kind of weird. Uh didn't really need it, but okay. But now we really don't need a third. We don't need any more Indiana Jones. We don't need any more Transformers. We don't need any more Marvel movies, they need to take a whole break with those. Um, You know, it's just the studios are not taking any risks. So here's the irony. So if you are Warner Brothers and you produced Barbie, which made a billion dollars around the world, and you're still talking about merging with another company, that's a problem. I I think they're all about to go belly up, to be honest with you. Um, they're going to really struggle, but the answer is to get smaller and contractions hurt and they don't want to contract. Everything's got to get smaller. We don't have the same number of people working and producing. It's going to be people consuming. So you're going to, there's not going to be the same amount of trucks sold. There's not going to be the same amount of houses sold. The boom already happened. And so they're trying to gear you towards some sort of war, it seems like, civil war, end of the world war. They want you to be afraid and scared because this shit is going to hurt. And they got to make certain moves, although I don't trust anybody in the government right now to be doing anything on the behalf of the people. That's the problem. They're doing all this shit on behalf of themselves. So nobody trusts them anyway. But, yeah, it's it's like... I don't know what's going on. They need to contract. These people need to, the CEOs are still making millions of dollars. You know, I think, I think even during COVID, the CEO of Warner's made what, 27 million. And it might be more than that. It was something crazy exorbitant. And I'm like, 
This this is not sustainable. And why are you making so much money? And men pay each other so much money. When I watch the NFL, and I like football. I understand the game. I watch the game. I like it. I just don't understand why, you know, someone has to make $500 million to play it. Like, men pay that premium to other men for getting mostly men's attention. You see what I'm saying? The reason why these contracts are so high is because the football TV contracts are so lucrative. So you got mostly men and me <laughs> and, uh, and like a few of my friends, we like football, uh, mostly men. And they're watching TV in droves to watch men throw the ball to each other, catch the ball, kick the ball, whatever. And the men who own those teams you know, are raking in so much cash that they can pay hundreds of millions of dollars to the players, some of the players, quarterbacks mostly. You know, it's like, this is insane. There is nothing that a woman can do to earn that kind of cash. Not even that. There's Because no man would ever pay a woman that much money. And no men would ever watch women do anything at that level to justify the expense. And and we wonder what... So Barbie was kind of touching on what a world run by women would look like versus the world that we have, which is clearly dominated by men. And I don't know, not all masculinity is toxic, but some of it is. And so, yeah, I don't know. I It's a lot. It's a lot. And I feel like you know, I like the NFL. I watch the NFL, but I just don't understand why they make so much money. And women don't. There's no avenue for us to make that kind of money. Men don't even like women making as much on the tennis circuit, even though for 20 years, the only people really watching uh, tennis or the only people who had people talking about tennis were the Williams sisters, whether you like it or not. You know, only hardcore tennis people knew other names, you know, and I haven't been a hardcore tennis person since the 90s. It's just it's just ridiculous. I don't get it. I don't get why men value other men so much and then devalue other women. Yes, Jonathan Owens comes to mind. Yes, that's Mr. Simone Biles. You know, and let's be honest, she would be friend zoned if she had been Simone Biles. She had just been a regular girl. She's not his type. I, I heard a TikToker say it, and, and it's true. She's clearly not his type, but she's famous and has money. And it helps his brand. And she clearly worships him. And there's nothing we can do about that. That is Simone's business. I hate that it's so public. I hate that her heart's going to be broken publicly because she's a girl wired like all girls, and we've all been friend-zoned or been with somebody who didn't really want to be with us. I've never, you know, been a five-time world champion or whatever she is. I've never been, like, on a Wheaties box or anything, but I've definitely been friend-zoned. And there was no incentive to take me out of the friend zone. So she clearly is an incentive because she's rich and doing well. And I just hope he doesn't destroy what's left of her self-esteem because obviously she doesn't have a ton and I'm not dissing her. I just, I'm 
I'm in my 50s. I've been to the movies. I know how they all end. I know what this is. And that's what a lot of people on TikTok of a certain age can see. Like, we've seen this. We've been this. And you want to protect people from their pain, but you can't. So I wish her nothing but luck. Anyway, that's not what we were talking about. Uh, Pay. Barbie, okay. Uh, Warner Brothers still in trouble. Even though they they had a billion dollar grossing film, they need to get smaller. They won't get smaller because men just want to pay each other as much as they humanly can. And I don't understand that. Make some sacrifices. Get rid of these giant bloated uh, bureaucracies where you have to have, you know, a hundred people all making two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, and a in a CEO that makes twenty seven, thirty seven forty seven million dollars or something crazy like get smaller but they don't love movies that's the nail on the head they don't love movies so they don't care they just want to keep making money making money and making movies are two separate things so apparently There is a young uh, prophet named Manasseh. I've never really heard of him. I'm not really deeply into that world. But he has implicated that uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes was very inappropriate with him. And he has the receipts. Um, Listen, I don't think anyone cares these days if you're gay. Just be gay. Don't, Don't fake and lie, especially if you're a pastor. You know, uh, just go be honest. And, you know, this whole thing, like if you're puffy spiritual advisor and we found out the stuff we found out about him, it looks bad on you. And I, I've i made the statement on TikTok that I just think T.D. Jakes needs to come out and say, you know, I didn't do those things. If you don't do things, you can come out and say, I didn't do any of that. And people said, well, he said, if I did it, all I'd have to do is repent. And then, and okay, that's very, very close. And he probably shouldn't have said anything. He probably really should have not uh, dignified those things with the response. Because he sounded more guilty. And he's going to fall. There's these. There are lots of people with pictures and testimonies. And these they're, they're filing lawsuits. There's some young man who went to church. And their family left T.D. Jakes' church because of uh, inappropriateness with him when he was underage. And that's the issue. I think that's my main issue with Puffy. That's my main issue with with Pastor T.D. Jakes. If you watch enough of the stuff down this rabbit hole, you start to see that these people have been with kids. Young people. Underage people. And that's wrong. There's nobody who agrees that's right. And then... You don't know if they're doing these sacrifices or what. Like, you don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I do know sex with kids is is never, ever, ever going to be okay with the public. You know, we are not in ancient Rome or Greece or wherever they did that. This modern society, uh, we're not interested in grown-ass men having sex with kids. And I can assure you, that the desire to do that has not gone away. I've seen many, many, many cases of grown men wanting to be with children, boys and girls, 
And I will tell you that is a crime of every color. So before you say, well, that sounds like a white people crime, or before you say, that's just sound like some poor black people do. No, I can think of every background, every background, every background that this happens. So they say Pastor or Bishop Jakes is thinking about stepping down, and I hope he does. And I hope he gets some help, and I hope he goes to jail. If you're having sex with kids, you need to go. That's where you need to be. I'm not saying prison is perfect because it's not. But you had all this time in the outside world to help people and be of value and be of service and be who you said you were. And I'm not saying he didn't have good sermons or good words. He is a very skilled orator. But dude, mm-mm. It's, you, that temptation is strong. And then it's all these sexual allegations and weirdness around his family. You know, come on, man. Open your eyes. I know if this guy's your pastor, it's difficult to hear. But you need to know the truth. You're not worshiping God. You're worshiping him. Anybody can fall off a pedestal. You have to believe it when you see it. And he is falling. And if you want to go down the rabbit hole, I can take you down there with me. But there's a lot of stuff that does not look good for pastor. I keep calling him pastor. For Bishop TD. It looks bad. It looks really bad. So good luck and to all the victims and all the people that are stepping up against these predators stay strong stay faithful stay brave because you are doing God's work that's God's work bringing light to the dark he's not doing the God's work you molested children and it sounds like that has been on his resume if these people are to be believed allegedly you know that is not good That's not good. All right, everybody. Have an amazing day. Thank you to all the new listeners and followers. I appreciate you so deeply. We're going to meet back here tomorrow. Thank you. Take care.